You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. This week's Parsha, Hukat, is really strange in that you have a 38-year gap, or at least a gap that begins in last week's Parsha, that comes to an end um, in this week's Parsha with the death of Miriam, which occurs in the 40th year. The story of the Miraglim is in the towards the, the middle of the second year. And presumably the story of Korah follows very quickly thereafter. So we have this gap between the middle of the second year all the way into the 40th year. And as we speak about, we write about in this week's Tevar Torah, which I'm sure you're all going to read online or in print, however you can get it, uh, you're going to find out more about this 38-year gap. But I'm not going to speak more than that about the gap in this week's parsha. I just want you to think about that. It's an interesting uh, sort of gap that we often miss. So what I want to speak about is our dissatisfaction with long roads and man's perpetual desire to find shortcuts. This is no less true in spirituality and religious life than it is in anything else. Um, I know that one of my favorite pieces of Musar, of personal development, is the Gerta Ramban, uh, the Ramban's letter. And one of the reasons for that is it's very short. Um, you know, I don't like the idea of spending a lot of time in personal development. I just want it quick and easy, don't we all? Um, although I would recommend this particular piece nonetheless, and one can take it apart, one can work on it slowly. Um, it's a magnificent piece in very short form, very doable. Um, so I do recommend it in spite of it being short. But I said in spite of it being short, um, for reasons that I will discuss uh, right now. So there's a phrase that we often use in religious circles, um, which is meant to give encouragement, but needs some further study, tzarach as we say. And that phrase is, Shuat Hashem kecheref ayin, that the salvation of God comes like the wink of an eye. And indeed, we see that that does happen. In fact, the whole idea of, of Pesach is such a salvation, the idea of Passover, of the Jews being taken out of Egypt, the salvation on some level comes at an instant. Certainly, when we focus on its central event being the Kriyat Yamsuf, the the parting of the Red Sea, um, there seemed to be no way out, danger all around, and all of a sudden, Hashem, God, uh, provides salvation by splitting the sea. Um, we recently celebrated uh, or observed the uh, anniversary of the Six-Day War and the beginning of June on the, uh, on the secular cal- calendar and uh, something we celebrated earlier on the Jewish calendar um, with this, uh, the, the, the famous parade that's being discussed with the flags is really a celebration of that day of uh, Yom Yerushalayim, which is the day of of the unification of Jerusalem under Israeli control, under Jewish control um, of the Temple Mount, and and so on and so forth. 
And that victory of, of the Six-Day War um, was also understood, and, and you know, this was a standard phrase that was being thrown around by religious and non-religious Jew alike in Israel of the, the victory and the salvation being kecherifine, being such, so dramatic um, that the war um, from its beginning was uh, something that was unusually quick and decisive in Israel's favor. And uh, people who lived here at the time, uh, people experienced it even outside of Israel. I was uh, too young, I was alive, but I was too young to have any real recollection of it. But people lived through it, especially those who lived in Israel, can tell you of, of the great fear that uh, certainly Jews in Israel, but Jews throughout the world had of a second Holocaust coming at the end of the sixth, or uh, before uh, the possibility of defending uh, ourselves could even occur, um, the threats coming from all of uh, our Arab neighbors at the time was a threat that we took quite seriously, and certainly the odds were against us on many levels. Um, there are many books written about it. Uh, Michael Oren's book, I think, is uh, one of the best to read about these, the Six-Day War. Um, and, and, and obviously there's much that's been written about it, but the phrase that was used as Shuat Hashem Kecherafim, the salvation of God, is like the wink of an eye. And certainly that, that's very exciting and, and very, uh, you know, it's full of, of, of energy and, and something that we, uh, especially when things are uh, difficult, is something that we, um, you know, want to see. So, you know, no one is against such a thing. But the question is, what are the results of these types of salvations? Um, how much staying power do they have? And I think looking at the Exodus from Egypt gives us a, a very good example of something that we see actually <clears throat> over and over again in all sorts of contexts, both within the Jewish tradition and, and out, that um, the salvation that comes in the wink of an eye often leaves in the wink of an eye as well. Um, the a counterexample of this idea is something that we see uh, in Yushalmi, in the Jerusalem Talmud, where we're told that Gula purta purta ata, that the salvation comes very slowly, bit by bit. In fact, um, the Six-Day War may have been a high point, but the Redemption of the Jewish people has been a slow process with ups and downs. Now, this reminds me of a story that is in the Gemara and Erevin. Many of you, I'm sure, have heard of this story. The story is told, the, the Gemara, by the way, those who want to look it up, is on Daf Nun Gimel Amud Bet, that's 53b in Erevin. And it's actually three stories told by Rabbi Yeshua. Uh, who is uh, usually just known as Rabbi Yeshua, one of the great sages. He's the one that got up on his feet against uh, Rabbi Eliezer in the famous story of the Tanur Shalachnai. So he was a, a very serious and formidable teacher uh, in the classical time of uh, the preceded the Mishnah, one of the very important teachers of 
the Tanaim of the teachers that the Mishnah is based upon. In any case, uh, Rabbi Yeshua, one of the stories he tells, he tells of three stories where he was outsmarted. He said, it only happened to me three times. And interestingly enough, uh, none of them were with other rabbis. But the story I want to focus on is the story when he's outsmarted by a child, by a, bo- a young boy. It seems to be very young. He's referred to as a tinok, tinok, which in modern Hebrew exclusively means a baby. In the Talmud, uh, it does not always mean baby, but it's certainly talking about a young boy, um, probably less than 10, and perhaps even younger than that. So, in any case, the, the Rabbi Yeshua is looking to get to a city, and he sees this boy, and in spite of his youth, so, you know, when you live close to somewhere and there's a major destination, so everybody knows how to get there. You know, we, we're just uh, babysitting with my five-year-old granddaughter, and there's certain questions that I ask her sincerely, that she knows where certain things are located in her house that I wouldn't know, and she really knows it. You know, because that's something that is not too difficult to understand, that uh, literally a five-year-old can understand. So Rabbi Yoshua assumed that the child, however old he was, was old enough to know how to get to the city. In fact, that was correct. But the the child gave an interesting answer to Rabbi Yoshua, and he said, well, there's a short, long way, and there's a long, short way. And... um, the Rabbi Yeshua said, wanted to find out the short, long way. So that's what he told him. The child told him how to take that road. And he takes that road, and he sees there's, uh, it's in fact very quick, but before he gets to the city, there are all sorts of uh, encumbrances blocking the way. There's trees and forests and, and uh, bushes, and it's basically impossible to uh, continue through the thoroughfare. And he decides to turn back and go back to the child and uh, say, I thought you told me the path was short. The child says, but I also told you it was long. Um, so in fact, he asks about the other way and he takes the long, short way and he gets to the town. Um, but not before he can bless this child by saying how wise even uh, Jewish children are to have been able to give him an answer that was wiser than he had understood to begin with and truly carried some important wisdom in it. Now, the question I have about this story is why did the child, uh, in fact, know more in the sense that uh, why did Rabbi Yeshua choose the shorter road? the shorter, longer road. I mean, why not take the longer, shorter road? Uh, So it would seem that we all, including great sages, have such a desire for a shortcut that anytime I'm able to take a shortcut, I'm going to go for it, just like my desire to learn Musar in one foot with the letter of the Ramban. Uh, So too, I mean, Rabbi Shua is a much, much greater scholar than I can never hope to be, but be that as it may, even Rabbi Yeshua was interested in getting there quicker. We're all interested in getting there quicker, of Tshuat Hashem Kecherafayim. But you should note that it doesn't say Tshuat Kecherafayim, it says Tshuat Hashem Kecherafayim, that 
the verse tells us that the the type of salvation that comes in the blink of an eye is a salvation that is intimately related to God. It's something that God can do and only God can do. That people need to go along the road of Porta Porta. People need to go along the road that's in fact long because that's the only successful road and that's what experience uh, teaches us. Now, Rav Cook, in a number of places, writes about his admiration for the theory of evolution. That's a very interesting type of evaluation, very unique. And he's not just neutral about evolution, um, saying that it's not a threat. Many rabbis say, no, it's not a threat to our understanding of history, of the Torah, of the, Masev, of the story of creation, and Breshit, in the first book of the Torah. Um, but Rav Kook was very enthused about it. He was enthused because it displayed in nature what the Jewish tradition, at least according to the Kabbalah, but presumably more broadly, um, speaks about or expresses about the nature of history uh, more broadly, that it is something that constantly is moving forward to the final to the final salvation that we spoke about coming slowly, slowly. Now, one should understand that uh, just like in evolution, as far as I understand it, um, it's not a vertical road. There are some let-ups and let-downs and obstacles, even in the short road that Rabbi Yeshua took, presumably it wasn't a completely straight road with no obstacles that almost does not exist. Um, in theory, it could have, but I would, I would guess that things being what they are, that the road also had a few obstacles, but obstacles that are easy, obstacles that don't impede us for very long. You only have to go uh, over a small puddle, um, there's a short turn in the bend. There's a little bit of uh, inconvenience here and there, but it's certainly something that can be uh, overcome. Now, I want to just tell you about an article that I wrote, which um, was towards the very beginning of my writing career um, when I took a stint as a day trader on the stock market, uh, a pretty short stint. Um, cured me of uh, all sorts of things, but um, I had a better understanding of, uh, in spite of the fact that I was trading on a very short-term basis, which the, the, what those of you who don't know, day traders are people that trade, make trades um, within one day or two days or three days, but the point being that they, they go in and out of stocks very quickly to make, uh, to make quick gains. In any case, um, one thing that I noticed in spite of the short-term nature of what I was doing is how critical it is to know the long-term situation of the market as a whole, but of specific stocks that a person is investing in. One wants to get the big picture because most of us can weather out the short storm as long as we know that we're heading in 
uh, you know, what they call the northern direction, meaning uh, that the long-term perspective is, pos- is, is positive and uh, towards, towards uh, a proper profit. Um, so at the time I wrote about the importance of looking into any particular time period and looking at the long term and not being overconfident um, as uh, we can be sometimes in orthodoxy or other groups or what 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 have you, um, and thinking that you know we've been so successful in in all sorts of ways in the last fifty years, let's say since uh, certainly the seventies, uh, definitely from the eighties in terms of schools, in terms of yeshiva study, in terms of all sorts of measures, uh, in terms of kosher products, uh, wh- whatever the, the yardstick is, it's not always this way, but there's a lot of very positive signs in terms of the uh, regeneration of, of orthodoxy post-World War II. Uh, at the time, this goes back uh, 35 years, something like that, um, I warned against the difficulty of taking too rosy a picture of uh, of, of looking at too short a term that one looked uh, around us uh, in the context of 50 years, but what about the context of 300 years, right? So if you look uh, at orthodoxy within the context of 300 years, so all of a sudden the picture is not so rosy in the sense that uh, essentially everyone was orthodox on one level or another uh, if you go back 300 years. So certainly 400 years if you want to go a little further. Uh, not everyone everywhere, but the vast majority of people. Whereas today, the tables have turned. So even though there is a resurgence, a renaissance, um, I pointed out the importance of looking at the bigger picture. So the truth is, one thing I didn't write over there is that what I was really speaking about was the medium term. And that's where Rav Cook comes in in terms of evolution, that there may be some serious deficits, serious dips that make things look really bad. But if one looks at history as a whole, um, certainly from a perspective of faith, a perspective of Jewish faith, then the end result is always getting to the city. We will get to the city uh, one way or another. And the road, uh, as Ruf Cook points out, is always a road that gets closer and closer to the city, even if there are detours. In other words, temporarily we may uh, go backwards, similar to the Jews in the deserts, but ultimately that road is coming closer and closer, even by way of detour, to the promised land. So that's it for this episode, and I encourage you to take the road and to take the long-term perspective, even when there are no exciting events, and specifically when there are no exciting events, that's when the real work gets done. I just want to close with an idea, which I do mention in the Devar Torah. I said I wouldn't give it away, but just uh, an important metaphor that exists is the metaphor of the first tablets that were created by God that were almost immediately destroyed because they came so quickly and without work. The second set of luchot, which were 
chiseled by Moshe, chiseled by human being with great effort, those are the ones that lasted. Something to think about for the week, the next two weeks. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.